Welcome back to the Insecure Podcast. You got Mr. Euro Garrett. What's happening? Miss Jacqueline Coley. Hi, y'all. Feeling? And me, Ahmad Childress. Uh, today we're talking about Insecure Season 3, Episode 2, Familiar Like. We have a special guest uh, on tonight's episode, Miss Il Camille, who appears in the episode. You'll hear that part of the interview uh, later in the episode. But right now we're going to jump into it. This episode was, direct, was uh, directed by Pete Chapman and written by Amy Anobi, who you might remember from last season as Flute Girl during when uh, <laughs> Lawrence left Homegirl's uh, family barbecue like a chump and then uh, hooked up with Homegirl and had everybody waiting and potato salad getting all coagulated. It was all bad. All bad. <laughs> um, anyway, I think we're going to do it a little looser today. We're just going to talk about, I mean, because really the episode was structured, so it wasn't a ton of tiny little things happening. It was a bunch of big things happening. Um, can we just talk about Issa's job and how whack her coworkers are? <laughs> yeah, but can we like, also I, talk I about I kind of hate everybody. Every black person in pretty much 90% of corporate jobs. That was the yeah. weird shit. I was just like, yeah. Yeah. this yeah. is some shit. <laughs> and I didn't realize the boss is the mom from Stranger Things. She's, uh, what's his name, uh, Gaten's uh, little curly hair kid with no teeth. Um, yeah, yeah. She plays the mom on there. Yeah. With her hand out. But it's a hand out, not a hand out. <laughs> That's that nonprofit life. But for sure. you know what, though? The worst sentence in that was the gay boy because that was like when shit cuts real. When he was just like, I represent the gays, you re- represent black folks. Yeah. And like that comfortableness pretty much interchanged basically any group for the most part except for black people and they'll be like i don't know man i've seen so many other people where they're like i don't care if i get to be the only voice for asian people it's my voice and like they own yeah. it and it makes them feel comfortable meanwhile black folks are like that's how you get fucked up like yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. be speaking for all black people yeah no especially i mean we're not a monolith and and kind of assuming like homeboys he clearly fine taking that position, taking that role, even if, you know, he doesn't necessarily represent all the people. He's just like, yeah, that's that's why I'm here. That's why they hire me. I mean, I've been in situations where it's, like, clear, like, there were certain people, like, we want to push this person, and, you know, because they're this. Like, they're, they're kind of doing some hires to show a demographic. So, like, hey, you know, we're, we're being diverse over here. And it's, you can tell it's not that the people aren't talented. They're hiring talented people, but you can tell they're being extra and trying to push them out to let people know that they hired yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Hey, we hired a gay guy. Hey, we hired a lady. We hired a brown dude. You're like, yeah. he seems like too much. Like, yeah, I, I, know, what it, uh, I know what it was when I got here. But yeah. he, he felt comfortable like with, with her. Like, hey, yeah, know your role. She's like, no. I mean, and. And I'll take that back because I get both sides of it. Let me not be fair to, like, other marginalized groups. Because it's like, again, we're not a monolith, but there are some black people, too, where it's like, well, black people don't like that. That is literally the worst sentence I ever hear. Like, <laughs> it literally is the quickest way to get me, like, right up in my feelings. But don't tell me what black people don't like. I've been hearing that shit since I was sixth grade. It's like, well, black people don't listen to that type of music. Well, black people don't oh, like yeah. period piece British drama. Black people don't read comic books. Well, this black bitch does. Y'all can fuck off. <laughs> unless, unless, yeah, that's how I feel. Because sometimes it'd be like, well, black people don't like mayonnaise. Well. Yeah, see. <laughs> I love mayonnaise. I mean, you, you, know? you clearly have not been eating Hollywood mayonnaise in the thin jar. Yeah. You've been eating yeah. that, uh, 
I mean, look, stuff that there Karen are puts with a razor. <laughs> yeah, there are some tendencies. Let's be real. But in the same respect, like even if you just say like, "Hey, generally, black yeah. people like barbecue." That'll be the first day tomorrow. Will be when you find somebody who doesn't. Like, don't just. I just hate this yeah. idea when people speak so decidedly, one way or the other. Yeah. Um, unless you're criticizing white folks, in which case y'all can paint with that brush all y'all want. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't. Um, also, what's up? What's up with homegirl who is like? Just listen to Issa, everything she you know, she says on the subject is right. I can't tell if she's an ally or she's just completely burnt out on her job and she doesn't care, or if it's just both. Both. I think it's, I was just, it's I a little bit of both. Because she sees she see yeah. the bullshit. She sees the bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> she sees the bullshit. And in all honesty, the only difference between her and Issa is Issa sees the bullshit still trying to fix it. She sees the bullshit. She's like, I'm just oh. getting paid until I have to go look for another job. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, when she was gonna do the callback, she'll. So you're just not gonna do the callback? She's like, nah. And I love how she's racially. No, I love that nobody in that office knows what she is. It's beautiful. Yeah. So like, yep. so she's um er. Uh, yep. <laughs> and that right there, if y'all people couldn't be bothered to figure out my ethnicity, why the hell am I to give a fuck about this job? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Like, am I really going to break over my back to be like, what exactly are we trying to do here? If y'all can't even, like, I don't know, get the word with all the ask questions. Or, you know, do Google search on the last name, whatever. Uh, also, <laughs> what's up with uh, Issa's coworker that got the promotion? Y'all notice that she's done changed her wardrobe? She's trying to – I think she's gunning for uh, another – I think she's gunning to take over there. She's wearing the sweaters. She actually put a comb mm-hmm. through her hair. She's she's trying to look like um, uh, you know frumpy boss. Uh, I, I give it up for Issa being Mrs. Nonprofit, but maybe I'm just too bougie on my inside track because I was just like I I, I can't be broke for nobody. I'll volunteer on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm real Molly about my money. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like <laughs> I'm like I'll go ahead and do it for love and for the kids, but I got to. <laughs> But I mean, I don't even no. know if we know if Issa's really doing it. I mean, like she even says she's not. She doesn't know what she's passionate about. Yeah. Either way, though, be not passionate while still getting paid. <laughs> well, maybe. I know it's a later scene, but can we talk about that same meeting at Simply Wholesome? Because I've never seen that many white people at Simply Wholesome at at one time. No, and you figure you figure it being like a a vegetarian vegan spot they would be, but I mean they generally. I still think that's, you know, because that's at really at the Inglewood, Ladera, um, mm-hmm. L.A. kind of. Where it takes like 40, 30 to 45. It literally takes 30, 45 minutes for them to make a smoothie. Oh, really? <laughs> I used to work right by there, and I never went in there once. Dude, <laughs> let me tell you, though, let me tell you, though, two of my coworkers, just talked about where they bought a house. Neither one of them have a complexion that even resembles, like, Tan. One of them's in Ladera, other one's in Baldwin Hills, and this other dude is wow. looking at uh, is looking at um, Englewood straight up. I'm telling you, man, y'all better get black people there while you still can. Yeah, yeah. Englewood is Englewood is going to north. I say at least north I would. and west Englewood are going to lose the gentr- gentrification battle. 
Oh I yeah, think I thought they already lost. Everything below they already sport. lost. Wow. Yeah, that stadium is going to be the last thing that 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 keeps color anywhere near there for a yeah. minute, and then it's going to be all over. Yeah, it's transformation we're complete. We're gonna have to move to Catalina. Um, <laughs> um, so another thing. Um, so so yeah. So it sounds also like the the job is finally doing a little bit of listening to her. Um, let's also we kind of talked about politicking the club. We'll talk about that with Il Camino a little later. Let's talk about Issa and Daniel, who seem to be kind of figuring their newfound friend roommate whatever status out right now. No, I, I remember somebody saying on Twitter that, like, the way Issa's character is helping Daniel is almost similar to the advice and kind of help that she gave Lawrence. Yeah. In a, in a sense. Yeah, she's supportive and she has she has good advice. I mean, with with Daniel, I mean, she I mean, she literally gave him the hookup. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that whole night should have paid paid some rent for at least a month off of that. <laughs> wait, though. But wait. Although though. he did but he did pay though. it back for jumping on her when they started shooting. Yeah, no. Listen. There's a problem I have with this whole thing. Cuz this is the thing. This is this is the problem I have with it cuz I see where this play is going. I've seen the third act and this is the problem this with it. Uh-huh. Every step of the way in that episode when she was helping him, even if it was just like slightly, he resisted it. Like when oh, yeah. when she met with old boy and she was just like, well, let's just go with you. And at first he was like, no, no, we cool. It's like, Miko, you ain't got no way in. And it's like in every step of the way, Daniel was just letting his pride yeah. get in the way. And I'm going to tell you something right now, and I'm not saying because – women have pride too and I'll get to that in a second but men and y'all's motherfucking pride will ruin your life he wasn't going to call Ohm dude to get him into the studio because of his pride because he's like well we came up together and he's more successful motherfucker get paid like he wanted he wanted him to to recognize him and come to him ugh because that ego like y'all all all got gassed up on that Kanye ego bullshit well you know what Uh no (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing, too, is, like, again, women also have ego and women do have pride. That former organization I was with thought they were gassed up going to do a convention. That's pride. (laughs) 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 You can do that shit with no idea how what you were doing. But, again, she said this this season is going to talk about toxic masculinity. And, like, we're seeing the – these are the warning markers right now. All these little warning markers. That she just rolling past like they tic tacs and not speed bumps. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Hey, like Marcellus Wallace said, does pride fuck it with you? <laughs> it, it really is. Like the fact that he lied and said that his girl didn't want her to stay in the first place. Like every step of the way, he just like fuck fuck with her. He was, so over it. He and he was trying to. <laughs> and she was trying to get him out that that bed so bad. She's mm-hmm. like, um, you know. Can you just take your brownie ass somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, I'm no, over he, he seems like he's he's been doing this for a while, and he he expects some acclaim for. It. He expects people to come to him, and I mean, but also, I mean, in the music business, there's a lot of types like that. I know a lot of producers who I know some producers who will get out there and they'll go to those clubs and they'll shake hands and they'll meet people mm-hmm. and they'll go everywhere they need to go to get their face out there and to make sure people hear their stuff and to make sure that people see them and. I know other people who will sit at home and make masterpieces but won't leave their house. Mm-hmm. Be like, 
Yeah, just passing my tape. I mean, they don't even, like, you know, they just expect somebody to hear about it magically and come to them instead of, you know, like, unfortunately with music, that's part of the job. You've got to sell yourself. That's really part of the job. Some people don't necessarily have the temperament for that. Um, can we briefly talk about uh, uh, when Issa goes to, to get her credits straightened out? Because um, I, I wrote down some quotes. And don't look a gift horse in the dick. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not a thing, but I think it's a thing oh, now. Oh, it is now, motherfucker. It is now. <laughs> you got uh, what you said. You got excellent. You got excellent, good, fair, poor, and then easily. You got the box. <laughs> oh, uh, but also they showed her credit score. She had a 400. Yep. I've never even seen a 400 credit score in my, like, in my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shit, uh, shit, oh, shit. Uh, after, uh, that after college broke shit? Yeah, I don't think I was shit. I think I was at like a negative, like, 800. <laughs> <laughs> the way them student loans was hit, that what? <laughs> oh, boy. That, that, that Sally, Ma- Sally made negative. Um, Man. But did you notice her code switch on Issa? It was so funny. When she was discussing her loans, she got on that, like, you know, financial manager, I work with white folks shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, and then that door closed. And then that, that door closed. She'd be like, you been saving? I'm been saving. No, but she ain't even saving. <laughs> She's like, are you concubining? That was my favorite. Concubining? Oh, my Yo. God. Oh. I do love that. I do love it. <laughs> the line, my, I mean, my favorite line from the whole episode, hey, did I leave some ketchup packets at your house? Oh my! Cause what was what, what was that? Twitter assembled like Voltron, talking about ketchup. What the fuck is this ketchup? <laughs> you know what though? You know what I thought of? You know what I thought of? And this is the problem because L.A. is on some bland bullshit. Um, Waterburger does have special ketchup. Waterburger in Texas, they have their own ketchup and their own spicy ketchup. That is indicative to Whataburger. Like, In N Out ain't got that shit. They use the same ketchup nah. that McDonald's uses. Everybody but Whataburger's like, Whataburger, we got our own ketchup. Like, they make, like, it's made for them. I, yeah, I tried. I put my head against the wall. I could not figure out, like, what that was. Like, wait. That, that, that had to like, be, I'm, huh? I'm voting for Whataburger ketchup. People that have been to Texas know what I'm talking about. It's a different ketchup, it's better, tangier. <laughs> <laughs> I will believe you as the uh, as you speak on all things Texas. I, you are the <laughs> official Texas representative. You are a monolith. <laughs> um, also, I want to give a shout out to Mike's Deli because the scene where you see Daniel go get the sandwich, that's Mike's Deli on Slauson up in Ladera. Their sandwiches are amazing. This place is great. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is they're only down the street from the place that Issa's eating when she's eating with her coworkers. They're like maybe four blocks away from each other. Um, and wow. also maybe three blocks away from, or maybe three or four blocks away from Pans, where she was eating with Molly in the same episode. So it's interesting to see a lot of shooting in the uh, Ladera, kind of the Ladera upper uh, Inglewood area there. Yeah, they really Definitely. avoid the rest of L.A., which is good in a lot of ways, but it's also like I try to tell people, it's like, just so you know, that's not where you come in to visit me. Like, my friend's back home, I was like, we got to drive a minute. Like, nothing against Inglewood. I'll probably end up being there 
when I buy something or get a little bit closer to money. But um, <laughs> um, yeah. Right now, I'm in like I'm like no, we in like West Hollywood, North North Hollywood, baby. We, we broke people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, really, I mean that's that's the part of LA real estate. If you want to live in LA, you basically got to live adjacent to LA, which is North Hollywood, or mm-hmm. the edges of the valley, or you know everywhere else, basically south of the south of the 101 is pricey as hell. Mm-hmm. And, and regular Hollywood is basically all apartments, pretty much. Yeah. Except for maybe so. part of East Hollywood. So. <laughs> uh, another one was when, when she was talking about her credit situation and uh, she was going through the receipts. My, the other line was like, wait, Radio Shack even a, ain't even a store anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are you spending your money? I, mean, I guess she found one. <laughs> You yeah. know they had that one. They got that one last blockbuster. So maybe they got. I that heard one about that. I was unaware that there were still any blockbusters. Um, but where? So so you see? I mean, you definitely see. Um, at least at the end of the episode, that Daniel kind of has, and I don't know if it was because of the shooting or or what. Daniel at least has a change of like, okay, let me kind of get out of my feelings and make this phone call and try to make this thing happen. But also, yeah. when you're at a club yeah, and there's a shooting, yeah, when you're at a club and there's a shooting, usually your adrenaline gets a little pumping. If you've been to L.A., you've probably been in a club that has either gotten shot up or there was some shooting in the parking lot. I know I've been there <laughs> more than one time. And, uh, yeah, usually your outlook might change for a couple hours. and you know, So I don't know if he's running on adrenaline or if he's really like, let me get out of my feelings. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. And then also, like, again, Issa did talk him up as to why he should do it. And I do think it does go back to that, like, if you have somebody that you can look to, whether they realize it or not, for blame or support, you'll do something maybe that you're not supposed to do. Because this is what I see happening. She's giving him this good advice. It's working out for now. But the minute this shit don't work out, he's going to be like, you're the one who told me to do this. And I, I'm like, I, yeah. I've heard this record. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't I didn't even want to go to that club anyway. Exactly. Like, and, I almost got know, smoked. Exactly. So, again, I just I see these I see these twinges. Like, unfortunately, again, my bullshit factor is just so low. And granted, you know, we did get the telltale signs of, like, this season being about toxic masculinity, but yeah. no. It, it's, it's clear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, we already see what's going on with Dro, so. We, yeah. That, that one is super apparent, but it's real, it'll be curious to see whether, uh, how things kind of wind up with Daniel. So I'm hoping next episode we get to go back with Molly and see what she's got going on because that was the only thing I thought was a little bit weird with this episode. It was it was cool, um, yeah. but I would still like to see where she's going because I guess in this next episode she's going to find out what it's like working in an all-black office, which I think it would be like if you went to a predominantly white institution and then switched to an HBCU. Like, yeah. that, that's that's what I feel like Molly's about to realize. You're like, how much did you bitch about being a black girl there? Why yeah, you're about to see. For your, uh, for your sensibilities. 
Yeah, it's it's different. Um, I haven't worked too many jobs like that. I worked one. I worked a market research company. I think that was probably ninety eight percent black. I mean, and everything looks the same. It just works different. They were very flexible on my schedule, though. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I was working 40 hours over six days. They're like, you can come in for three hours. You can come in for two hours. You can come in for 20 minutes. We'll make it work. I'm like, all right. Damn. But, yeah, it looks like, yeah, she'll be coming back next week, and we'll we'll see how that turns out. But, yeah, this this, both of them sleeping in the same bed is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Nothing good can come of that. Nothing good. Well, <laughs> nothing long-term <laughs> good can come of that. You can get some short-term good out of that, but nothing long-term good can come out of that. I mean, if she's going to have back problems. We already know how this works. <laughs> get that back, girl. <laughs> but but also it looks like she might be getting that, um, that, that uh, whatchamacallit, property manager gig, which would be probably the best. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, you know, you get that reduced rent. Yeah, so I can I can see maybe. her doing that. Or or I could see we got y'all realizing very quickly if she exits, just how painful it's gonna look. Oh yeah, yeah she's. Yeah, I was also gonna say, did you notice? I didn't notice it until the recap. But those are famous comedians doing all those lines where she's calling the schools. I'm pretty sure I heard Jeremiah Carmichael. Oh, Jared Carmichael? Yeah. Yeah, Jared Carmichael. Thank you. I'm like, Jeremiah. Jared oh. Carmichael, and I know I heard Little Rel. I'm pretty sure those were two of the voices um, from the people who'd be like, you know the school is racist. You know y'all logo is racist. <laughs> that's Little Rel. I know that's Little Rel Howard. Like, I ain't got nothing else on my mama. That's him. But and I'm pretty sure I heard Carmichael on another one, but I, I would have to listen it over again to double check but yeah i had a little he's like you know y'all logos racist right <laughs> oh that's you know what that's now okay so now we got this that's our new atlanta logo <laughs> you know we got to listen for that because <laughs> used to do that with frazier the call-ins at the beginning of frazier and they'd have you know seinfeld or whoever call in aside from that i think that's the bulk of the episode hopefully like i said we'll get to see some a little more Molly Vicks week. And I think uh, Amanda Seals is coming back in the next episode as well. So Nice. Uh, nice to see the whole group together. So with that out of the way, we're going to move to the next part of the episode, which is Mr. Euro Garrett's interview with Il Camille. Il Camille was on episode two. She was performing in Faye Dodo's, doing one of her songs from her excellent album, Heirloom, which if you don't have it, you should get it. Super dope. Support real hip-hop. Support L.A. hip-hop. Um, Yo, let's just jump into it. Yo, so yo, yo again, thanks for coming on. Um, Thank you. Yo, uh, you know, you released uh, Heirloom uh, last year, early early last, uh, kind of like uh, around April, right? April, March? Uh-huh, well, March, yep. Well, March, yeah. So I guess, I guess how does Heirloom kind of serve as like almost like a turning point in your career now? Because it seems like that came up and then it seems like stuff is taking off even further for you, including, you know, you getting, uh, you know, episode two on Insecure. Um, Heirloom, I think, was an album that I needed to do, uh, you know, not just to get opportunities like like Insecure, which is a dream for me because I really love the show, but um, Heirloom was an album that I needed to do for myself just to – 
explore myself just as a, you know, just as a woman and, you know, a, a black woman at that and all the, the things that, good and bad, that, you know, we just go through in life. I needed an album where I could be transparent and just get off, you know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> let let everything sort of hang. And um, I think that's why things are sort of manifesting for me because, you know, I think the truer you are to yourself, things just sort of fall into place. So that was just really a necessary album, and I'm I'm glad it's having a good snowball effect. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad Issa Rae recognized what, you know, what I represent and, and what I'm trying to do. It's hard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. And even last year, uh, you were supposed to be, uh, your music was supposed to be featured uh, last season, but a uh, sample clearance kind of messed that up. Uh, talk about that. And... Yeah, man. So, man, we were sick about it, too. So, okay, season two finale. Remember when Molly slept with the lawyer dude? I, I always forget his name. But um, when she slept with the lawyer dude, they were going to put my song, Trust Me, featuring Sir, you know, during that part. It would have mm-hmm. fit perfectly, you know, kind of went along with the whole, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, shout out to my brother in Montemari, but he sampled Jamiroquai. And yes. the band. Morning Glory. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for doing your shit. Uh, we couldn't get around it. He even replayed the bass line, but, you know, it just sounded too similar. And Issa kind of pressed me when I when we shot uh, season three, episode two. She kind of pressed me about the song. She was like, man, what's up with that song? That's a song I really, really love. Like, that shit is perfect. And I was like, man, it's perfectly not clearable. So <laughs> we could really do. You know what I'm saying? Iman, he flipped it in a way, but it just had a whole different feel. So I think, you know. That was one of them lessons, like, don't make hard-ass songs with samples because, you know, <laughs> that's what yeah. happens. And then, yeah, you uh, got to get that check regardless. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but, uh, you know, obviously for uh, so too, you know, you play Super Way, which technically, uh, I look at my Spotify, that's probably the most popular song in the world. Yeah. You know, I think, I, I think it depends on who you ask. that. You know, that song is five years old. Um, huh. I think people are just more familiar with it than the other songs. But, yeah, I think I think Slip Away fit fit the scenario. And uh, I originally, I remember, I remember you saying that uh, you when you shot it, you could talk about uh, shooting uh, shooting that scene as well. But I remember you, remember you saying earlier that uh, it was actually another song you performed? Yeah. So I have this song that, that ain't a part of any project. It's called Vibe Slide, and I wrote it, ironically, about a man that I was, that I had met, that I thought, you know, we was just going to kind of have a casual relationship with, but we was on each other, and we met at Nationals. Remember Nationals, the club uh, yeah. in Hollywood? <laughs> yeah. And we met at Nationals, um, and he was from Inglewood, and I wrote that song about him, and it kind of had like a party vibe, and you know what I'm saying? And then they hit me, and they was just like, yo, she really want to use Slip Away. It kind of fits, and you know what I'm saying? And I was just like, oh, that, you know, she can use whatever she wants. I don't know how she's going to line up these, uh, line up my mouth 
mouth and something else completely different and slip away. But, you know, and it was like, man, trust me, they got it. The editors is great. So I was actually anxious watching this episode because I didn't know how it was going to look. You know what I'm saying? I'm performing a completely different song. That's why you see me kind of two-stepping in the beginning because I'm on some whole other vibe. But <laughs> they made it work, you know. Shout out to the good people behind the, the editing board. And yeah, then they had you with um, – with Fluke Girl from last season in there, uh, what's her name, uh, Amy Anobi, on there. Yep. Like, what the? I'm, she was like, hey, you mind if I play the flute with you? I'm like, girl, go ahead. She doesn't want to play the flute on anything, and I'm rolling with it. <laughs> Just like the dude doing the uh, the robot in every episode of Chappelle. You, the minute you see her, you're like, oh, there she is. There she goes. <laughs> That damn jazz flute again. There she goes. Yeah, uh, you had to get a body double? I don't remember. Yeah. All right. So let, let me tell you the timing, the timing on this. It's so weird. So the same day that I got hit up about being on Insecure was also, this, was also around the same time that I got approached about doing uh, NPR's Tiny Desk. So the, the, the schedules conflicted with each other. And I'm like, man, I, I literally wrote them an email. I was like, look, y'all, these are the two things I really wanted to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These are two <laughs> written down goals of mine, and they are conflicting with each other. If you need to find somebody else, you know, to perform, I, I'll recommend whoever, but I can't miss NPR. And that's going to be, you know, on Thursday. They had me scheduled to shoot. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three days, as opposed to the one. Next thing I know, the producer is like, nah, Issa said you, and we'll just cut down the shooting day to one, and what time do you got to leave? I was like, my flight leaves at 11 p.m. on on Wednesday. They were like, all right, we'll have you out by like 9, 8.39. I said, for real? They were like, yep. Next thing I know, I got people hit me up like, hey, can you tell them I look like you and that I could just get some twists, I can get my hair twisted? You know, I'm like, what's going on? What are you talking about? I had homegirls that are that act. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Next thing I know, they send me this screenshot. They didn't put up on uh, one of those casting sites, castingnetwork.net oh, yeah. or something like that, L.A. Casting, and it was like, Il Camille Body Double. And I was like, you are lying. So I wrote the producer. I'm like, hey, y'all looking for a body double? They were like, yeah, because there's a scene where you got to leave the club and you ain't going to be there, so we need that person to look like you to leave the club. I was like, wow. Like, wow. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. You know, you know, it's the part where they got, where, uh, where it got shot up. Apparently, oh, I was yeah. supposed to be running out in a frantic. I didn't see that part. They probably didn't lock down the body double, but, man, that that was wild. <laughs> Look, now the come-up do... is a come-up for people, man. They they will try anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm just saying? They will hitch their, <laughs> hitch their wagon. Look, no disrespect, but I had the lightest skinned-ditch friend <laughs> hit me up talking about, can you tell them I look like you? I was like, I can't. I'm not about to lie to you. You're like, they have eyes, right? Issa, we do not look alike. Yeah, we do. All right. Can I be down? For sure. Um, Let me ask you real quick because the episode, you know, especially the part that you're in, has so much to do with, like, kind of 
how people network in this business, in the, especially mm-hmm. specifically in the music business. And mm-hmm. like a lot of people don't understand, like they, th- I mean, the music business is so weird anyway, but a lot of it is going to weird ass places and talking to people in, you know, in weird ass settings, like at yep. a table or in a club or, you know, yep. how was it for you kind of coming in? Like, what was your kind of networking process with, like, you know, getting your, getting your album done and stuff like that? Well, I did a bunch of weird-ass networking for years prior. See, I moved around a lot. So by the time I, I you know, I, I needed to do music, I needed to re-familiarize myself with everybody, you know. And before I did music, I was writing blogs, street teaming, passing out flyers in front of nationals, in front of all these burnt clubs. Like, you know, I, I, I just felt like I was I was supposed to be helping artists in some sort of way. So I was doing whatever, you know. So I met a lot of people that way. And then, you know, just in passing growing up. But by the time I did music again, it was I had to, like, I felt like I had to reintroduce myself. So that did involve going to every damn showcase with 20 artists on the bill. That did involve going to all these networking oh events that I have no interest in at all. You know what I'm saying? It just it it took a lot of footwork. Um, but luckily, by the time that Heirloom came out last year, I had already made some solid connections. And then, you know, just to be honest, I kind of gave up like purposely going out to network because it's just not my thing. Like, I'm not a forced connection type of person. I love people, but if we ain't going to meet, you know, just on some sort of, like, you know, we just happen to be here and we happen to build and chop it up, then I'm not probably – I'm probably not going to show up to those events to do that. Like, I would never go to that event that I was performing (laughs) in last night. That that just ain't my way. You know what I'm saying? But it's necessary – but I, I'm just, I just be like, first of all, I get tired around 9.30 anyway. And then, you know, I just don't want to force nothing. I figure if you're supposed to listen to me, hear me, rock with me, we gonna, it's going to happen. I'll, I'll wait. I'm going to chill. Yeah. And one thing I noticed that uh, the opening uh, to Insecure, uh, you, Jamal Omari's. Uh, Come on. A track from. Uh, uh, from uh, the HYI uh, album last year, um, yep, and he's also yep. featured. And he's also featured on. Uh, he uh, he's also featured on Airline. So uh, I guess what you guys. Uh, I guess talk about. I guess you know. I guess how how cool the soundtrack is in regards to the LA scene as a whole. Well, one Iman is like my brother, um, so we you know us being on the same episode, like, I don't know, that was just, that was just great. Cause he is, he spearhead our collective by music collective. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All the different artists that are part of that. Anna wise included. So shout out to her, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, we just, you know, I, I just felt like Issa threw us a major lie by having us both, in, both in the same episode. Um, I feel like, Iman, I'll speak on Iman. I I feel like Iman has such a distinctive flavor and style, production-wise, just music sound-wise in general. You know, all the vibe talk, I felt like he really brought that to the forefront. He's such a like important piece 
of of the LA scene because literally all the artists that you can think of or that people would be like, yeah, they they my favorites. Iman has some sort of connection to them, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's Kendrick or Ty Dolla Sign or Anderson Pack or you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. you name it. Iman has worked with or influenced, you know, a lot of the artists that, that you hear. And him having his own sound so early, because he's still a young dude, him, him having mm-hmm. such a, like, a distinctive style, people, people are able to point his style out or his music out before the credits were rolling. And I just thought, mm-hmm. like, man, like, that's, that's actually what I'm trying to accomplish. I want people to be able to just know that that's my song off rip. You know, when you when you have a certain style, identifiable style, I feel like that makes you legendary already. So he's one of the young legends out here. And um, I don't know, I was just really happy, you know, that Issa chose to use that, especially at the top of the, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, we won't take too much of your time, but, uh, you know, you got a lot of stuff uh, going on. Uh, you got heirloom, the heirloom shop uh, that's coming soon. <laughs> Let's see. You got uh, you got the radio show on Wednesdays, and you got the uh, you got an album, another album you're working on, eh? Word. I I do have another project I'm working on. I won't speak too much on it because I, it's it's just it's shaping up to be something different than what I thought it was gonna be. So I can't even speak on it because I don't know what it is. But mm-hmm. I'm always working on something. Um. Uh. Yeah. So that will <laughs> drop sometime before, you know, I have a kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll promise you that, though. <laughs> Bear with me, y'all. Y'all know I'm black. So, uh, Things could happen. Oh, man, please don't even say. Who who said that? Amar, who said that? <laughs> I was just about to say, as the female on the phone line, Ahmad, I'm just saying. That noise. Like, I'm gonna yeah. Life comes at you, you life girl. comes at you fast. Hey, look. You got three kids, two kids, how many? Don't be putting that in hey. other people. I got I'm not putting nothing on nobody. May your diaphragms and your condoms stay intact. I got you. <laughs> I got you, girl. Hey, I need to hear May this your... album. I'm not wishing no kids on nobody. Man. <laughs> I do, I do, honestly, I do touch on that because, you know, I'm starting to get the when you about to have kids question. Uh-huh. So I do touch on that on this project. I do have a song about that already. That's what I can <laughs> tell you. I hope huh? the title <laughs> is called Mind Your Business because that's what Mind your business. <laughs> that Mind is business. my number one banger, Mind Your Business. That's what that is. That's the sequel to Jacqueline, When Are You Settling Down? That album. Mind business. Mind business. <laughs> Yo, at the radio show. <laughs> yeah, and the radio show. So, yeah, shout out to the homegirl, Christina, a.k.a. DJ Lady C. She's like a veteran host and DJ um, on Dub Lab. 
And she hit me up randomly and was like, yo, do you think that you would like to take over my slot on Thursdays? I'm moving to Sundays. And I'm like, you know, you know I, I don't do radio, right? And she was like, oh, I know, but I think it would be dope, and I think you can do it. And <laughs> I recommend you do to my programmers. And then they wrote me back. I was like, for sure, love to have you. So <laughs> I'm literally figuring this thing out as we go along, but I love it because I get to play all my jams. I get to play all my friends. I get to play people I really, really admire, and uh, that's Dub Lab every first and third Thursdays from 6 to 8. So that's, that's that. Cool. And finally, you got to talk about the heirloom shop. That is, like, the coolest. I can't wait till it opens. It's a cool concept. You got to talk about that for a sec, if you can. Well, well, sure, since, you know what I'm saying? So I was going to wait till next month until I got it, the, the sign painted when it was going to be undeniably there. Um, <laughs> but I am opening up a record store slash hip-hop consignment shop um, oh. in the Crenshaw District. Um, it's called Heirlooms and Records. I've been developing, getting the store ready since April. Actually, the same day I start filming for Insecure is the day I got the storefront. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's just crazy how everything works. But, yeah, next month I'm going to open it up. It's going to be, like I said, I, well, I'm coining it as the first hip-hop consignment shop in Los Angeles. So all music-based memorabilia. I want to give independent artists a chance to, like, sell their merchandise and their albums. You know what I'm saying? So, sort of in the that's same fashion dope. like Amoeba does, you know. So everybody has a central location to buy their music because it ain't no record store in this area, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just want to make our products and our art available, and you can buy and sell and trade. So next (laughs) month, Heirlooms and Records, Lamert Park. Congratulations on that. That's a dope idea. Thank you. Y'all better come. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, before we wrap up this part, uh, any uh, any last things you want to say, Il? I just appreciate you guys thinking that I matter enough to chop it up with me and Please. everybody that's been supporting me. You know, my whole village, like, far and wide, extended and, you know, blood-related. I just appreciate all of the love because that is my only fuel. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the only way that I'm able to keep going as an artist, just as a human being. Shout out to everybody doing their thing. Shout out to y'all. Um, really appreciate the conversation and the support. Thank you so much for for coming down. Thank you, thank you for making the time for us. We we really appreciate it. No problem. Thank, thank you. Good night, thank y'all. you. Good night. Thank you guys. And no kids. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs> Mr. Euro Garrett. Where can we find you on the web? Yes, see me at uh, EuroG.com, uh, Twitter, EuroG, Instagram, EuroG323. Miss Jacqueline, where can we find you online? Find me at that Jacqueline, and uh, we'll be having a couple of episodes of my, my fun travels as I'm heading back on the road again soon. But we'll keep it, we'll keep it popping. I'll be here. Our favorite box car hobo. You, you put your bag, you put your little Snoopy bag on the stick and just hop on the side of the train? I know. We fly. No, we fly from class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still bougie. Don't, don't get it twisted. 
Um, that's the Secure Podcast for this week. We will catch you later. Peace.